Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Whether you're a first-time listener, one of our regulars, or one of those who has committed to journaling with us through the Bible, thank you so much for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Episode 10, Season 1 of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament Podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapters 13 and 14. The title of today's podcast is King of Righteousness, King of Peace. Our key verses for today's podcast are Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 to 20. After Abram's return from the defeat of Ketalomar, the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. This is the word of the Lord. So chapter 13 and 14 are both highs if you are following the high-low recording of our journal Bibles because we are going to see some wonderful moments of great faith for Abram where his faith is both expressed and also rewarded and affirmed by God who is encouraging Abram in his imperfect though it may be walk with the Lord. In chapter 13, Abram and Lot, we see that they have multiplied so much since their sojournings in Egypt that they have to separate ways. And we see the two men up on top of a mountain, and Abram gives Lot the first choice. This is an act of faith. And Abram actually gives Lot the more favorable land, the better land for his flocks. And we are told that Lot goes and settles down in and around the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. Anyone who has been in the Middle East here recently, you need to recognize that the land then was very different than the land now. I believe, and we've got really good, strong, biblical, and archaeological evidence to believe that the land of Palestine was much more fertile at the time of the patriarchs and even the time of Jesus. And this area of the Jordan, the valley of the Jordan, where Lot went and settled, was very rich. It was great. It was full of grazing land. It was great agricultural land. And there was lots of springs of water, lots of natural water, lots of clean, crisp, cool water that was flowing out of the hills of the Judean wilderness. And so Lot took for himself the best place. And Abram then goes on the other side. He goes to the west. He goes to the area of Hebron. And there, He settles. This is a bit more arid of a region, not quite as many springs of water, definitely not as rich as the Jordan River Valley was, as there were not near as many travelers through this land. There was not near as much merchant traffic and as much commerce happening here. But yet, Abram trusts the Lord to bless him and prosper him, and he takes the land on the west side of the mountains, where Lot takes the land on the east side of the Judean mountains. And this is one of the many ways that Abram is expressing his faith. Now, in chapter 14, we see that things did not go well for Lot down in Sodom because there were kings that came and rose up and they attacked Sodom and they took, they captured the people, they took the possessions and they returned back home. And in chapter 14, we are told that Abram rouses all of his men. Apparently, Abram has 318 men to be exact, men of fighting age who had been trained to wield weapons of war, and they chased down the kings who had who had captured his nephew Lot. They pursued them, they attacked them, they overcame them, and we are told that they redeemed Lot. They re- he redeemed the evil kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and their associates and rescued them and gave them back all that they had. Even though Abram was offered by the unholy and the unrighteous kings a portion of what 
he had redeemed them, Abram refused to take it. He said, I would not take a single thing from you, not even a strap of a sandal, lest you say that you had made me rich. And this is, again, another wonderful testimony of faith that Abram demonstrates for us. And on his return then from this battle, we see that he is met by an enigmatic character named Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is somebody who is a really big deal, according to the writer of the Hebrews. And he is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 7 in particular, because he is, in many ways, a type of Christ. And so for those of you who are journaling with us through the Bible, if you want to note these types of Christ, these foreshadowings of Christ in chapter 14, I have verses 16 through 20 marked with those red kairos. And this is why there are so many of those red kairos in this passage, because Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. We are also told that he is a priest of the Most High, that he is a priest of God Most High. This is the same God that Abram is worshiping, that he is the king of Salem, which will become the city of Jerusalem in the coming chapters of the Bible. Salem, by the way, means peace. So Melchizedek is, by virtue of his office, the king of peace, and his name means king of righteousness. So Melchizedek is both the king of peace and the king of righteousness. And we know that we only have peace with God when we have received his righteousness through his son. Melchizedek is the only person in the entire Bible who occupies the three offices of Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the King of all creation, that he is also a prophet based on his words and the power of his works. He is also the ultimate high priest. Those are the threefold office of Christ, we say, that he is prophet, priest, and king. And Melchizedek is the only person in all of Scripture who has all three offices himself. King David is a prophet and a king. Solomon also is a prophet and a king. We have mighty characters such as Moses who operate as priests and prophets, but nobody is prophet, priest, and king except for Jesus and except for Melchizedek. And he meets Abram after this wonderful and miraculous victory over the many kings who had taken his nephew, and they worship together. We are told that they broke bread together, that they sacrificed together. Melchizedek brings bread and wine to Abraham. They have a fellowship meal. And in their worship, Abram gives a tenth of everything that he has to Melchizedek. This is the Old Testament tithe, a literal 10% that Abram is giving to this priest of God Most High as an offering as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, not to Melchizedek, but to the one whom Melchizedek represents, and that, of course, being God Most High. And I love this blessing that Melchizedek gives to Abram. And we can't imagine how affirming this blessing was to Abram and his faith as he continued to walk by faith and following the Lord. Melchizedek says in verses 19 and 20, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. How awesome it would have been to receive such a wonderful blessing from this mighty prophet, this this mighty type of Christ. Some may go so far as to say that maybe even Melchizedek is somehow an earthly representative of the Christ before he was born. I'm not going to go that far, but even without going that far, we can see that this Melchizedek is a really special person and that he represents God in a very powerful way. And Abram responds to this powerful representative of God by joining him in worship, by breaking bread with him, by drinking wine with him, by giving him a tenth. All these sorts of aspects of worship that are still a part of Christian worship today, 
we see Abram enjoying with this Melchizedek. And this is very encouraging for us because we've already seen Abram make some silly mistakes and yet God continues to affirm his promises to him. And this is really important for us as human creatures because it is too easy for us to forget. Forget even about God and forget about his promises. It is too easy for us to get lost in our feelings, to get lost in our thoughts, to get lost in our current events or just our day-to-day routines that we often forget. And so God is giving Abram in Melchizedek this powerful reminder of his mercy and his grace and his providence and reminding him that it was God who had given him the victory. And all of this is just, of course, building up Abram and his faith as he continues to follow the Lord, listening to his voice and seeking to do his will, imperfect as he may be. Now, a couple of little minor notes that I want to share with you on this passage for those of you who are journaling with us through the Bible. One of those things is that when Abram goes and meets with the elders of the city of Dan in chapter 14, that you can actually go to this city gate in modern Israel. If you go to Tel Dan and the excavations that are just north of the city of Nazareth, you can actually go to this place and you can see the very gate and the stones, I would suggest, that were there on the ground entering that city gate, that mud brick gate that Abram came into the city through. You can actually go to this place. And I love it as one of my favorite places to go in Israel because it is one of the few places that goes all the way back 4,000 years to the time of the patriarchs. And it's one of the few places that we can go to where we can say absolutely categorically proof positive, Abram the patriarch was here. And that makes it really awesome. I also have on chapter 14, one of those little words of wisdom sections that is, you are who your friends are. And I tell this to my kids all the time. Uh, We, of course, need to be friendly with everybody, but that doesn't mean that we need to associate and tie ourselves to everybody. Lot is suffering because he has associated himself with the wrong sorts of human beings. Abram is being blessed by the right sorts of human beings. And as we see these interactions and how the friends of these two mighty men of God, both Lot and Abram, are playing themselves out in Holy Scripture, it is a reminder to us to be careful of who we associate with and who we build deep and meaningful relationships with. Yes, we want to be friendly with all people. Yes, we want to love all people. We want to be respectful of all people. But when you tie your wagon to a horse, that horse is going to lead you in a certain direction. And in this illustration, the horses are our friends. Sorry, friends of mine, don't take uh, any Uh, exception, hopefully, to what I say here comparing friends to horses. Um, But nonetheless, I think you all get the point. You are who your friends are. It's great when we see these contrasts played out and the effects of the friends that Abram is having on his life and that Lot's having on his life to be mindful of the choices that we make and the people that we surround ourselves with in our lives. Because the people we surround ourselves with often will have a determinative effect on our life, whether we like it or not. Have you decided to journal through the Bible, whether for yourself or a loved one? Please let us know through the contact form at familybiblejourney.com so that we can send you some encouragement and add you to our list of folks who have committed to journaling through the Bible with us. So with these notes in our Bibles as we continue to journal along in our journey together, we are going to conclude today's podcast, these wonderful highs of Abram's life, with our blessing. May you be blessed by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who promises to deliver your enemies into your hand. Amen.